0: Every subscription will come with a free heritage ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DailyWire. Wire. Russian President Vladimir Putin
1: has just eradicated transgenderism from public life in his country. Putin signed into law a federal ban on all surgeries, hormone therapies, and puberty blockers for the purpose of the so-called gender transition. The only exception, Putin's office declared, quote, Will be medical interventions related to the treatment of congenital physiological abnormalities and defects, as well as genetic and endocrine diseases caused by structural disorders of the reproductive tract in children. Such interventions will be allowed in accordance with decisions made by medical commissions of medical organizations within the jurisdiction of the Russian healthcare ministry. Okay. Point of all that jargon transgenderism eradicated from public life in Russia. This is deeply troubling. Not for the people of Russia. It's great for the people of Russia. What what it's troubling for is us Americans, because unfortunately, we have ceded the moral high ground on this extremely important issue to a foreign adversary. And that's a bad thing. But, you know, I try to look on the bright side in politics. And on the bright side here, at least somebody listened to my CPAC speech. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and 30 bucks off your order with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S today. Artificial intelligence not only paints pictures, not only writes essays and speeches, now AI has written a love song. We will get to the lyrics of that in just a moment. First, though, I'm not sure if that introduction was allowed on YouTube. It was about the topic that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube, but I was just reporting the news on a thing that happened in Russia on that time. So I don't know. In any case, if you want to get the full show with the parts that are not allowed on YouTube, you've got to go to Daily Wire Plus and Twitter at M. Knowles Show and the RSS feed and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all over the place. Anyway, tangentially related to the point in my introduction is a claim made by Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton just... Uh, weighed in on the heat wave that we're experiencing. And she said, quote, hot enough for you, thank a MAGA Republican. Or better yet, vote them out of office. Hillary Clinton, you know, she's the adult in charge. She's the really serious person. And this very serious person is saying that summer heat waves, a feature of life for all of history, are the fault of Republicans. And not those Mitt Romney Republicans, by the way. Not those nice little Republicans who squish and help out the Democrats. The MAGA Republicans, the conservatives. Conservatives are responsible for the weather. I thought the last theory on that was that the Jews control the weather. Wasn't that? That was the last conspiracy theory. Now, sorry, Jews, you're out. It's the MAGA Republicans who control the weather now. I don't know. When do we get our space lasers? When's Hillary going to start talking about the MAGA Republican space laser? I don't know. It's just as crazy a theory, though. We... We don't control the weather. We don't control the heat. It's been hot in July forever, (laughs) and uh, Donald Trump is not responsible for that at all. I mention this story not to point out that Hillary Clinton is a very silly lady, not to point out that the libs are far crazier than the conservatives are, all of that. Obviously, we just take that for granted. The thing I want to point out here is a trick of the libs, which is that the libs are very good at appealing to the flesh. And conservatives are not as good at that. Conservatives are really good at making logical arguments. Conservatives are really good at destroying people with facts and logic and making all sorts of intellectual and historical and philosophical points. Sure, the libs are really good at appealing to the flesh. And they do this through all sorts of decadent temptations that they make. Obviously, the sexual revolution. Obviously, the drugs. Obviously, all, the, all those kinds of things we see. But even here, even in this silly Hillary Clinton tweet, She says, "Hey, are you feeling hot right now? Do you feel uncomfortable? Are you sweating?" Yeah, that's Republicans' fault. Does that make any sense? No. They come up with some tenuous, preposterous argument. You know, well, actually, because the Republicans drive cars like we all do, and Republicans use oil like everyone on earth does. That some because of that, and the oil angers the sun monster, and the sun monster shines his rays even more strongly, and the climate catastrophe, warming, cooling. Change, whatever. That's, the, that's the, but the argument is secondary. What, what is primary is the appeal to the flesh. And so be, because they can speak in this fleshy kind of language and appeal to your, your baser appetites and appeal to your sensation, they forge that connection such that when completely unrelated events happen, when the water goes up, when the water goes down. When the ice breaks off, when there's too much ice. When there's a hurricane, when there's not a hurricane. Whenever anything happens in the weather and you feel it, y- you have that connection in there. It's, it's irrational, but so much of politics is based on sentiment. You know, a friend and colleague of mine likes to say, facts don't care about your feelings. Politics largely cares about your feelings. And the libs get that a lot better than conservatives do. And so we can all mock Hillary's argument. It will have a lot of currency for a lot of people. Now, speaking of failed presidential candidates, Mitt Romney. Is urging Republicans in the 2024 field to drop out of the race so that the anti-Trump forces can rally around one guy. And presumably, in this case, that one guy would be Ron DeSantis, who's in the number two position. Romney doesn't even focus on that really. He just focuses on the also rans, the inevitable also rans, who are polling at one and two and three percent right now. He says, You gotta get out of the race. And then he speaks directly to donors, and that's who his Wall Street Journal Op-Ed is aimed at. Donors don't fund a Trump plurality, as in 2016. Republican candidates won't drop out soon enough. Here's how to give them a push. Despite Trump's apparent inevitability, a baker's dozen Republicans are hoping to become the party's 2024 nominee for president. There are incentives for no-hope candidates to overstay their prospects. That's why you donors need to defund them. Okay. Okay. So what's the argument here? The argument is that if there's a two-person race and it's Trump versus the anti-Trump guy, then the, the anti-Trump guy is definitely going to win. He's the real shot. The problem is the polls don't bear that out. According to the polls, not only is Trump trouncing the rest of the field with all of them in, even when it comes down to a head-to-head with his most formidable challenger, Trump continues to trounce him. We'll get on more of that in just a second. First, though, I, I want to talk about how you can trounce your appetites and how you can trounce bad dinners. You can do that with good dinners from Good Ranchers. Right now, head on over to goodranchers.com, promo code Knowles. You know, I love anything made with top of the line quality. For me, it is Good Ranchers. Simple as that. The only thing that was missing from Good Ranchers, truly, this was my only complaint about Good Ranchers, but I did complain about this to sweet little Elisa. They were missing some pork. And I like well. Let me tell you something. When you ask for for things, Good Ranchers delivers. Good Ranchers has just launched their prime pork, 100% American pork that is steakhouse quality. This new pork box comes with bone-in and boneless pork chops, sausage, smoked brats, and more. Plus, right now, you get 30 bucks off with code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com. On their site, you can explore their all-American cuts of prime pork, prime beef, and better-than-organic chicken options. If you've tried their beef and chicken before, then you know how amazing it is. You've got to try the prime pork at least once. They have got genuinely great products and top-tier customer service. I love it. My only thing that I'm really missing now while I'm traveling in Hungary, other than my wife and children, is my Good Ranchers. When I go home and a sweet little Elisa three times a week makes me juicy, delicious steak. and One of the last meals I had before I left was was a Good Ranchers burger. It's the best. It's like the best burger I've ever had in my life. What are you waiting for? Go to GoodRanchers.com. Code Knowles, 30 bucks off any box. GoodRanchers.com, promo code Knowles, K-N-A-W-L-E-S. GoodRanchers.com, American meat delivered. Romney's op-ed would make a lot more sense if right now it were Trump is up over the field, but when it's Trump versus DeSantis, DeSantis wins. Or when it's Trump versus Youngkin, or when it's Trump versus Tim Scott, or whoever. But it's not. Trump continues to have a commanding lead, even when it's one-on-one. This plays into a broader argument, a broader theme That the establishment GOP has been pushing for many decades now. And the theme is this, that in the primary, the base wants to go out and nominate the most conservative candidate. But that's actually going to harm us in the general election. You know, in order to win the primary, you might have to lose the general election. Isn't that what a tragedy of politics? Well, we, if we really wanted to win the general election, we'd nominate a moderate, centrist kind of liberal candidate, and that candidate would appeal to moderate and centrist voters, and then we'd win in a landslide. If only you damned conservatives would stop dominating the GOP primary field. That's the argument. We've heard variations on it for decades. It isn't true. It has no basis in history. The last time, basically, I'll put a little asterisk here, basically the last time a moderate so-called centrist kind of liberal Republican candidate won the presidency was, was 1956. And, and really the last time this happened in a challenger kind of way was 1952 and it was Dwight Eisenhower. Since then, Eisenhower wins in 56. He was the moderate liberal Republican kind of candidate who beat out the more conservative candidate Taft. Since then though, Let's just look at the record. Let me just go off the top of my head. We had Richard Nixon in 1960 who lost. It was a little bit of a sus race, but still, I'll give it. Okay, he lost, but then he won. Richard Nixon then won in 1968 and won re-election in 1972. Who is the next nominee? Barry Goldwater, conservative. So Nixon, conservative, And certainly, even if you think Nixon was a little bit squishy, Nixon, compared to his primary opponent, Nelson Rockefeller, who was Mr. Liberal Republican, Nixon was the conservative candidate. The Libs always thought of him as conservative. He was right about Alger Hiss. He was a hardline anti-communist. I count Nixon a conservative. Barry Goldwater, conservative candidate, loses. After that, okay, Nixon wins. After the deep state runs Nixon out, Jerry Ford, liberal Republican candidate, he loses. After Jerry Ford, the nominee is a conservative Republican, Ronald Reagan. Reagan wins. Reagan wins re-election. After Reagan, you get a liberal Republican, a moderate kind of candidate, George H.W. Bush. He does win, but this is why I put the asterisk there. He wins as Reagan's third term. In 1992, when George H.W. Bush had to run as his own candidate after the memory of Reagan had faded, H.W. Bush loses. 96, we nominate a moderate Republican, Bob Dole. He loses. 2000, we nominate a guy who at least ran as a conservative Republican, George W. Bush. You might say George W. Bush wasn't really conservative. Sure. But in the race, he was running as the conservative candidate, much more conservative than his father and much more conservative than the other candidates in the race. At least that's how he was running. 2004, Bush gets reelected. Okay. So the conservative wins both times there. Then what happens? 2008, we nominate the moderate centrist Republican John McCain. He loses. 2012, we nominate the moderate centrist Republican Mitt Romney. He loses. 2016, we nominate the crazy far right populist awful no good conservative trump he wins 2020 i guess he loses some some say i don't know you know they changed a lot of those rules unlike in 1960 where a lot of people say that nixon had the the election stolen from him maybe he did but at least there if kennedy stole the election he stole it within the normal bounds of politics within the normal campaign rules in 2020 I add uh, far more of a question mark to that election because the libs changed all of the rules in the lead up to that election, in some cases illegally, in some cases unconstitutionally to give an advantage to Dems. So in any case, I'm not arguing that if you nominate a conservative, it's a sure thing that that the Republicans are going to win the election. Far from it. It's far from a sure thing. But I am pointing out, It is a far safer bet to bet on conservative Republicans as the GOP nominee than on the moderate, squishy, centrist Republicans. Those guys pretty much always lose. And I know it's common consensus view here in the GOP. If only we could nominate more of a moderate candidate. They have an almost uninterrupted track record of losing, a far worse electoral record than the conservatives. You want to win elections? Give Americans a choice, not an echo. Now, speaking of polls and statistics, it's a disturbing poll out right now. A poll says that only 18% of young adults and 29% of Democrats are extremely proud to be American. Not proud in the, you know, we have a whole month pride, you know, goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride in the sense of patriotism, national loyalty, affection for your country, an extension of filial piety. That's disturbing. Fewer than one in five young adults consider themselves to be extremely proud to be American, consider themselves to be, that is, patriotic. I'm not as disturbed about a declining number of Democrats being proud to be American because leftism is opposed to patriotism. Leftism has always been opposed to patriotism. And so as the Democrats become more liberal and more left and they follow their ideas more and more to their logical conclusion, they're going to be less patriotic. That's just built into it. So I'm not surprised by that at all. That's the way it's going to go. Young people don't necessarily have to be less patriotic, and yet they are becoming less patriotic. Why is that? Well, I'm in Hungary right now, and I can't help but think of Viktor Orban, the prime minister here, his speech a couple of days ago in Romania, in which he was lamenting the fact that Western values these days are taken to mean nothing more than, what was it, LGBT and mass migration and... War <laughs> going to war. That's it, that's what's considered to be Western values these days not Christianity, not duty, not dignity, not virtue, not the pursuit of truth, not honor, not any of those. Those are all they're out. And unfortunately, sorry to say, America has been promoting that. America has been flying that rainbow flag everywhere. America, with our liberal establishment, has been denying the things that made America great. We've been denying the American tradition. Even you, you see the, the new version of Superman. Superman no longer stands for truth, justice, in the American way. He stands for truth, justice, and all that other stuff. Or truth, justice, and I don't know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or something like that. So that's what the libs have been promoting. And so is it any wonder that as the country becomes more and more a stand-in for bad stuff, that young people will have less and less affection for their country? Orban made this great point. He said, America, not America. He said, Europe is going to be Christian or it's just going to fall apart. The only hope to save Europe, and I think we can expand that to the West, is Christianity. Or it's going to fall apart. Or it's going to descend into a bunch of rival factions of different appetites and and disordered passions and desires. And it's, it's going to turn into anarchy and chaos, which is what is happening all around us. It's disturbing to see that number reflected. You don't want to hear it, but the, the people are telling you something. They're refl- it's reflecting a real problem, and you're going to see that number continue to decline if the country continues to stand for a bunch of nonsense that people don't want to be associated with. Now, speaking of that nonsense, LGBT, another topic I probably can't cover on the YouTube show. So again, you got to go to L- You got to go to uh, Twitter at M. Knowles show, and you've got to go to Daily Wire Plus, and you got to go to the RSS feed, and you got to go to Apple Podcasts. There are many reasons to oppose transgenderism in public life, in Russia, in Europe, America, and everywhere else in the world. One of them is that the transgender procedures are terrible specifically for the people who undertake them. So the transgender uh, hormone therapy, surgical therapy, all of that according to the largest data set on this, doesn't help to improve any of the conditions that led people to go get them in the first place. Doesn't improve anxiety, doesn't include, doesn't improve depression, doesn't improve suicidality. In fact, it at least in the case of anxiety, it would appear to make it worse. All right. Well, now, for the first time in a long time, we're seeing what the transgender surgeries actually look like. According to some research on this topic, four out of five people who undergo trans-related surgery involving their genitals endure pain in the five years after the procedure. More than half feel pain while having sex and about a third are left incontinent, according to the first studies into the side effects. So don't forget one of the arguments, this is not my argument against transing the kids, but one of the arguments against them from the more liberal squishy types is, hold on, we got to slow down. We don't have any data here. This is also experimental. I think we should just ban it, period, because we can deduce through our reason that it's obviously disordered and wrong. But even the liberals, some of the reasonable liberals are saying, well, we got to slow down a little bit. This is all experimental quackery. We, we don't have any studies. Well, now we have studies, and we know that this is absolute hell for the people who go through it. There is, quote, there is a high percentage of reporting musculoskeletal pain, difficulty moving, and pelvic floor dysfunction, according to University of Florida professor Merrill Alapatu, quote, in terms of getting information related to efficacy of these types of treatments, we still have a lot of work to do. It is so cruel that we do this. It is so cruel that we do this to people, to mentally ill people and to troubled teenagers. What teenager isn't a little troubled? What teenager isn't questioning things a little bit? And to even now children who are just taught this stuff in their classroom and they don't know any better and they're led into it. It is, We are a heinous society in as much as we continue to do this. It's so cruel to these disturbed people. We used to get mentally ill people help. Now we encourage them in delusions that are make, going to make them incontinent, that are going to screw up their bones, that are going to screw up their muscles, that are going to shorten their lives. We know it. We have the data. You know, I always, I, I don't base my views primarily on the science, but in as much as As we see the science, the science is very clear here. And it's not just the libs, it's not just the left that we have to blame for this. Even large parts of the right are responsible for some of this because there are so many people that I encounter on the right who will say, look, I think the transgender thing's a little weird, but look, you do you. You're an adult. You can make your own choices. Who am I to judge? You know, you do, I don't care. As long as I'm not paying for it, it's no big deal. That mentality, which has taken over a lot of the American right, the you're on your own, you just figure it out kind of mentality, that, that breaks down. Even if you say for most people, that's a fine way to live. When we're talking about people who are not in possession of their rational faculties, when we're talking about people who are mentally ill, when we're talking about children, when we're talking about people who just are not reasonable by definition, that breaks down. What are you going to do for them? Are you just going to let the crazy bum die on the street? Are you just going to let the the hopeless drug addict just keep shooting up until he dies? Are you just going to allow the mentally ill people to chop their body parts off until their lifespan is shortened and their quality of life greatly deteriorates? No, society is not just about you do you and we'll figure it out later. But I'm me and I'm not going to pay any more taxes. Society is about all of us together sharing something, sharing norms, sharing a vision of reality and. We can't put truth on the same plane as falsehood and pretend to be indifferent to them. We can't put good on the same plane as bad and pretend to be indifferent to the distinction between the two. We've got to make choices, we've got to have a clear vision, and we've got to eradicate these bad ideas and ideologies from society. When you want to look good, there's one piece of advice I can give you. you got to check out Jen Yourself. Right now, go to Genyacel.com slash Knowles. Our friends over at Genyacel sold out of their dark spot corrector, and our listeners have been begging, begging like dogs and their knees for a restock. Well, I've got great news. Just in time for summer, it is back in stock. Genyacel's famous dark spot corrector has not one but three cutting edge ingredients and goes to work fast to target sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, even old discoloration on your face and hands. You can now enjoy the summer sun, beach, and barbecues without embarrassing spots. GenuCell's most popular package also features their summer essentials, like the best-selling ultra-retinol moisturizer with a powerful retinol alternative for safe use in the sun. You'll be amazed at how quickly you see results or 100% of your money-back guaranteed. Go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles right now. Get your dark spot corrector in the GenuCell most popular package. GenuCell.com slash Knowles right now. Save over 70, 70 percent off GenuCell's most popular package, all orders will include a mystery luxury gift while well, supplies last. Go to GenuCell.com slash The greatest interview show on the internet. Many people are talking about it. Yes or no. It's more than just the most fun you can have on YouTube. It's also the best way that you can get to know your favorite stars like Ben Shapiro. Where is the Ark of the Covenant? Is Satanism protected under the First Amendment? Find out Ben's answers in our episode. Check out this tease. Currently, half the country has no accountability or ability to reason. And it's just a
0: coincidence, half of the people are women. <laughs> ah, this is such a, this is such a trap right here. Okay, okay. one can here we go. Question. Okay, all right, here uh, we go. One,
1: two, three. Man, what a tease we are, huh? The yes or no game is now back in stock. You can go to dailywire.com slash shop to get your game today. These games go fast. Yes or no is hands down the best way to delve into the most thought-provoking topics of our time with family and friends. So what are you waiting for? Go buy it. Go to dailywire.com slash shop and order yes or no today. Speaking of stuff that I'm hawking, if you happen to be in Hungary right now, you've got to get this book. My book, the Hungarian translation of my blank book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats. In Hungarian, it is, of course, Obviously, just rolls off the tongue. Uh, that book is available now in Hungarian bookstores. If you're not in Hungary... You're going to have trouble ordering it. You might be able to order it around Europe. You can't get it on Amazon because Amazon doesn't operate in Hungary. I don't think the Hungarian bookstores are shipping to the States. But you can check it out. Anyway, just type in that very easy-to-write title. I'm very excited. I got a copy here. My pal who's with me in Hungary picked up a copy at the bookshop today. I was glad he found this copy at the bookshop. It's a really faithful uh, uh, printing of it. It even has my Thucydides quote, the epitaph at the beginning, is as alquotas, okay, I'm not going to try to do it. You get the you get the point. It's in there. My whole bibliography is in there. It's a really faithful reproduction from the publisher Alap Yoko Kotspont, which is the Center for Fundamental Rights here. I was unable to get a copy yesterday. It shows you a little bit about the political differences in, in Bud- even in Budapest. There's some libs out here. I walked into a bookshop, I I didn't know how to pronounce it, obviously. So I I pulled up a picture on my phone of the cover. I said, hey, uh, do you have this new book? It was just released today. This guy looks at me, daggers in his eyes. He says, we do not have that book. No. I said, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I know it's a new title. Maybe you don't have it yet. He goes, "We we will not sell that book. I said, oh, okay. Maybe just, I don't know. Maybe it's just not making a splash. He hadn't heard of it. But then as I'm walking out, he goes, that book is blank pages. I said, yeah, <laughs> I know, <laughs> isn't that, he wasn't, he wasn't so pleased, I think. He looked like a lib, bookshop owners often are big libs, and so I was pleased to see it's making a splash, positively and negatively, I'm pleased to see the whole point of this book when I made it in 2017, amazing, we've been doing this for six years, was to irritate my Democrat friends and relatives, and I'm pleased that it's continuing to achieve that uh, even now, overseas, even in Hungary. Now, speaking of technology, like the printing press, I guess, are not my best transition. Speaking of technology, the first artificial intelligence love song has been created. We've got some of the lyrics here. This is by Lovelace GPT. They plugged in thousands and thousands of love poems and song lyrics. And then uh, they came up with a song here, Delirious Ecstasy. The opening line of which has made some headlines. The line is, you're my biohazard baby. And I thought, huh, is this just a, it's kind of a strange lyric. Is this just because the, the AI was glitching out? Or no, Or I thought, you know, with the sexual revolution, with the widespread hookup culture, with swipe culture, with skyrocketing rates of venereal disease, you're my biohazard baby pr- probably is an accurate summation of a lot of modern love. So the AI, once again, rather precise here. What does it mean when we, when we plug into AI and we see all these weird pictures and poems and speeches and love songs? What is that? Does that do anything for us? Is it just kind of funny? Is it accurate? Is it not? Is it totally off base? You know that I'm skeptical of AI as I am skeptical of all technology. And I do fear that AI is just getting possessed by demons sometimes, but not all the time. Sometimes there are more pedestrian explanations for things. There's one good thing I'll say about AI, which is that AI can show you a mirror to yourself and to your culture. Because AI is basically just taking inputs from this whole big wide web of the internet and then spitting out uh, an output, whatever whatever that uh, particular type of art will be, based on those inputs. And so the, the idea that, forget about uh, Biohazard Baby, the idea that A modern love song would be delirious ecstasy. That's true. That's true. That is how we think about love today. We think about love as crazy and unreasonable and delirious. We think about it as a kind of an ecstasy. You see this in all of the various sexual ideologies that are being pushed now. They're being pushed in the name not of reasonable love and the con- and loss and the purpose of love and marriage and family foundation and love and marriage, love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. This, I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. That's gone. Now we're told marriage is a, p- a joke. There's no point to it. There's no point to sex. You don't need to have babies. We should just use contraception all the time. If you do accidentally get pregnant, you should kill the baby through abortion. You should never engage in any kind of commitment or lifelong uh, bond through marriage. No, no, that's all. We need to redefine marriage. We need to re- redefine all all of these things. There's no point other than pleasure. There's no point other than ecstasy. In fact, when it comes to one of those sexual ideologies that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube, the the great defense of it from the people who promote it, who have undergone it, they'll say, well, I felt a euphoria after I underwent this procedure or that. I felt a euphoria, an ecstasy. And this is nothing new exactly. In the old Bacchanals of ancient Greece, And Rome, you you see a kind of ecstasy associated with love. In our Christian civilization for a while, we had reined that in. Obviously, there was still wacky stuff going on on the fringes. But we had reined that in to say, no, there's actually a purpose to love and sex and romance and affairs. And the, the purpose is to be married and to stay married and to have kids and to be fruitful and multiply and pass on what you believe. Your values, your beliefs, your institutions, your behaviors your rituals, your traditions, all of it into the next generation. And as we lose that, we we lose the next generation. We lose the future. We're left with nothing but delirious, irrational ecstasy. Did I read too deeply into an AI love song? I don't think I did. Speaking of stuff going on in the academy, in the universities, not just building AI over there, they're also providing sinecures for failed liberals the former San Francisco DA, Chase Boudin. You remember him? He's the guy that allowed San Francisco to just turn into a complete cesspit of filth and excrement and dead druggies and criminals. And it's just, you can't even really travel there anymore. So that guy finally got booted out of office. That was great. And now he's making over 200 grand a year in a position at UC Berkeley, of course. And the Harvard law professor, Adrian Vermeule, great conservative intellectual today, he pointed out that what this is, is basically a sinecure for failed leftists. And it's something the left does very well, and the right is not really good at it. And it's important. It's not just a way to take care of your buddies. It's a way to encourage further activism. Because on the left right now, what the, what the leftists are told, not what we are told, what the leftists are told, is, hey, go out there, be radical push our crazy policies. And I know it might not be popular, but you'll probably be able to hold on to power. And don't worry, if you don't hang on to power, we got your back. Don't worry, you're never going to miss a meal. You're never going to go broke, okay? Because if you push it too far, we're going to support that. And then if you do get thrown out of office, don't worry, you'll make 200 plus grand a year in some post. What is he doing at UC Berkeley? He's going to run the new center that was just founded, the Criminal Law and Justice Center at this public university. So your taxpayer dollars, at least California's taxpayer dollars here. And Boudin says that the center is going to give him a better opportunity to create lasting progress through public service. So the university is going to pay him two hundred ten grand a year, and they've said that they're going to fund the center four hundred thousand dollars for the next three years. Now that number is important, is that number? for a whole center is nothing. The university is releasing this as though we're giving $400,000 to the center. What are you going to do with $400,000? You're going to run a center for three years. You're paying more than half of that in the salary to the, the failed leftist DA heading it. Why? Because the point of hiring him was not so that you would have someone to run this important center. It's the opposite. You created the center to give this guy a paycheck the center is nothing. It's not. Maybe he'll go out and raise outside money. I'm sure he could. He's plugged into pretty wealthy donors. But it doesn't matter. The center could have one office and one chair. He doesn't even need to show up to it. It's just a way to say, hey, when you fail, we got you. So all you other leftists out there, don't be afraid of trying to radically implement our agenda. The right doesn't really do that. The right does it a little bit on the neocon, squishy, liberal side. I'm not going to name the think tanks and the institutions. I think you know the ones we're talking about, though. A lot of the never-Trumper types went over there when they got booted out of GOP politics. They just go and they collect their six-figure paycheck, and they publish white papers that nobody reads, and they lament the fall of the GOP or whatever. It doesn't matter because they, in many ways, are, are just as much upholders of the liberal establishment as the radical leftists like Boudin are. The the difference is that the role of these squishy conservatives is to be the court jesters in the kingdom of liberalism. So their, their role is to provide a semblance of opposition. So it looks as though there's a real political fight going on. It looks as though there's a real representation for the people, but there's not. Their job is to lose with dignity. That's why they support the candidates who lose. That's not a, that's not a flaw of their system. That's the feature of their system. But, but in terms of the actual conservatives, the real, the, call it, the, I don't know, the populist right or maybe the traditional right or the conservative right or whatever, the, the guys who are actually conservative, we don't really have that. If we fail, we're kind of in trouble, financially at least. And maybe there are some ways that you can you can parlay your your work into some other, but it's nothing like the liberals have. It's an, and, and the right needs to build that up. Part of how the left has been so effective at implementing its radical agenda is it has mitigated the potential downside for trying to do it. The the conservative right needs to do the same thing. Now, speaking of the right and higher education, there is one win, one sort of win that we just got. Do you remember, I bet you do, we played it on this show, Stanford Law a while ago, the uh, district judge, Judge Duncan, who's a conservative Trump appointee, He shows up to give a speech, and a bunch of students start howling like banshees. This is at Stanford Law, supposedly the number two law school in the entire country. They go up and they howl a bunch of uneducated nonsense at the the federal judge. And so a DEI apparatchik shows up. This administrator of the university shows up. One would think to restore order and tell the, the ignorant little children to sit down so that they can listen to their better, the federal judge, doesn't happen the DEI apparatchik shows up and he starts berating the judge with the kids. <laughs> and so he starts yelling at the judge too. It's a federal judge, a sitting federal judge who's invited to speak at supposedly an elite law school. So the good news is the, that that Dean for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion, Tyrion Steinbach, has been fired. She, I, the way that the email came out is she was, she and the school have parted ways, and she she recognized, as the school did, that perhaps she should move on, and she's okay, but anyway, she's gone now. So this is a win. I'm glad that the bad administrator got fired. Every other DEI dean and vice president and apparatchik in the entire country should be fired as well, and the whole office and set of offices should be eliminated. But okay, this is a step in the right direction. But notice, even the way it was done, they kind of allow this lady to to keep her, her dignity. To keep her. I don't even Tyrion. I don't know. I don't even remember what this person looks like, but I remember this person berating the judge. And okay, it's fine. We parted ways. I'm sure that Tyrion Steinbach will get another job. No problem. And the. the I, I hate to be a glass half empty guy here, because it's good that at least something happened, but the bigger issue was not. The the leftist apparatchik being a leftist apparatchik. That was the that's the point. That person was was doing her job. The point is to stir up trouble and to attack conservatives. That's that's the only thing that DEI counselors exist for. The bigger problem here is that the students don't seem ever to have been punished. The students were the one who caused the trouble. The students were the one who don't deserve a spot at Stanford Law because they they shouldn't have graduated the seventh grade. These are people who are are do not possess the merit, academic, intellectual, behavioral, or otherwise, to be at an elite law school. These are people who have been promoted up the ranks because they're big libs, I guess, but but not because they're going to be good lawyers. They're not. I'd be surprised if they can read the English language. They should have been punished. They should have been expelled from the law school. They weren't. No big deal. Okay, that that DEI counselor was a little too on the nose, okay? That was a little too public. He had a little bit of bad PR. Maybe the donors weren't so happy with that. So, okay, naughty, naughty. Okay, we're going to let you leave now, but we're not going to change anything. Why? Because ultimately, these radicals are, are doing the bidding of the, the broader liberal establishment. Ultimately, even in, in moments that seem anarchist, downright anarchist, lawless. Well, that creates the opportunity for the liberal establishment to come in and seize more power and wield more power and make more rules. That that was the George Floyd riots. George Floyd riots, yeah, they burn down some buildings. Yeah, they attack even some places that Libs like, but it's okay. The anarchy will create the opportunity to further the liberal agenda as we've seen. Now you might have been one of the tens of millions of people who watch Netflix's hit show *Making a Murderer*. If so, then you're going to love Daily Wire Plus's new exclusive ten-part docu-series with Candace Owens, *Convicting a Murderer*, coming this summer. Whether it's exposing, exposing, whether it is exposing Black Lives Matter or all the craziness around the COVID healthcare industry. Candace Owens has never been afraid to challenge the narrative. She will find the truth wherever it leads. When Candace found out that some facts might have been omitted in Netflix's series, she set out to uncover the real story behind the Stephen Avery case. The end result is convicting a murderer. You don't want to miss it. You'll also get all sorts of other content on Daily Wire Plus, including Greatest Lie Ever Sold, What is a Woman, largest collection of content from Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Right now, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe, become a member, see the truth when it finally comes out. some halfway okay kind of good news out of Stanford unfortunately the military academies not so lucky the air force academy superintendent is supporting a scholarship for students who are demigender maybe we get to keep this one on youtube i don't know because i don't know what demigender is and neither does the air force academy superintendent as representative matt gates proved in this exchange
0: you just said that your answer
1: on why we why we do such this this full hug of these diversity concepts is because it's all about the fighting force that we draw from, but you are literally pushing a program in the academies that says if you're a cisgender woman, a transgender woman, a non-binary, agender, bigender, two spirit, demigender. What's demigender?
0: Sir, that's a uh, that's a, a- a term of the people that are eligible for that particular scholarship that yeah, what's is available to, it's a person who looks at their gender in a, in a different, uh, a different way than I do, sir.
1: Well, sure. That's all so, of these people. You're a cisgender man. You don't even get to apply. Well, do you know what demi geni- demigender really means?
0: I, I'm not really sure, sir.
1: Right. So do you know what agender means? All one word, not a space gender, but agender. Uh, sir, I don't. I gotta give the Air Force guy credit here. At least he admitted right outright. He says, I, "I I don't know. I don't, huh? What is? I don't know what demi, a gender, this that or the other. I don't know if it, I don't know what it is. I know I support it, but I have no idea what it is. You know what it represents? though. what I, I don't know what demigender is, but whatever it is, what it represents is." that the U.S. military is prioritizing sexual deviance over fitness. Prioritizing all sorts of leftist, lib, woke priorities over fitness. We know that. Uh, Our publicists over at Media Matters got very excited yesterday and, and publicized this clip in which I said that, forget about the demi, trans, whatever stuff. The fact that we have women fighting in combat is a stain and a disgrace on our nation. And it is. It is. It is a, a bad kind of thing for a nation to send out its women to be blown up by jihadis. That's bad. I'm sure there are women willing to do it. I'm sure they've got a ton of courage and are willing to sacrifice all sorts of things for the country. But that's not what the military's about. That's, that's an important constitutive part of serving in the military. But what the military is for is not proving that anybody can do anything. And that's not what it's for. It's not for social experimentation. It's not for social engineering. It's not, it's for killing the bad guys. And it's for representing our country and the best of our country and the best ideals of our country. And one of those ideals is that we're going to protect women. We're not going to send them to get blown up. It says nothing about the courage of these women. And, and take it even further, the transgender, the pangender. I, I have no doubt that there are people who are confused about their sex, who are willing to serve their country, who have served their country, have served their country honorably, who have demonstrated all sorts of courage. I'm grateful for their service. That's wonderful. That's not what the military is for. The military is not for proving those things to individuals. And the military, in as much as it represents the country, is not for showing that the country stands for some kind of disordered sexual problems. That's not what it's for. We, we're just putting the cart before the horse here. When Joe Biden decides not to pick the top recommendation of his military advisors to lead the Navy, but to pick a lady because she's a lady, that's, a, that's called putting the cart before the horse. That's called prioritizing things over the cheap purpose of our military. And in the case of our military, that can be a real life or death question. It's the top brass and it's discouraging. Getting back to that poll we talked about earlier when young people are saying, I'm not really proud of my country at all. Why is that? It's not because of ordinary Americans. Ordinary Americans, generally speaking, still have a lot of common sense. It's not, we're talking about the military. It's not because of ordinary servicemen in the military. They still have way more common sense than the average civilian. But the ruling class, the political leaders, including the political leaders at the Pentagon, the ones like Mark Milley who start whining and crying about white rage and say, well, I just want to make sure that my troops understand that the origins of white rage, including the people running NASA who say the purpose of NASA is to appease the Muslim world. What? What are you talking about? Including all of these political leaders who put the cart before the horse. That, that is why people are down on their country. And I get it. I totally get why they are. Speaking of fitness, this is a story... I wanted to get to for a few days now. It comes from the college fix. A university in Scotland has decided to put a trigger warning on a classic book. That's nothing new. Shouldn't make the headlines. Do a trigger warning on Huckleberry Finn. This book talks about race. Trigger warning. Uh, yeah, okay. We all know that. Now this one took it a little further. There's a trigger warning on Ernest Hemingway's Old Man and the Sea because the book involves, quote, graphic fishing scenes. I I was going to try to get through it with a straight face, and I failed at doing that. The novel contains graphic fishing scenes, and so the university has this new content warning to, quote, enable students to make informed choices. A nation that can't handle fishing, a civilization that can't handle The brutal reality of fishing is not a civilization that is going to survive. We're not talking about killing the enemy. This is good old Georgie Patton. Remember the speech to the Third Army? What are you soldiers going to do? You're going to go kill the enemy. You're going to have the blood and guts of your best friend beside you flying on your face. And what are you going to do? Charge forward. Not like those yellow piss four enemies out there that we're going to gut like soldiers. We're going to run through them like a hot knife through butter. That was, a, that was General Patton. Now we've gone to, would it be all right if I talk to you about fishing? It's not a serious, it's not a serious country or or, or civilization. When you see that 18% number, I'm not proud of my country. I know it's in Scotland. Well, we're talking about the West broadly here. Then we're at a place where you understand, okay, there's finally some consequences to a civilization be clowning itself. Those same students who can't bear the thought of a guppy getting a, a hook through his mouth, I promise you those students are perfectly fine snuffing out the life of a human baby in the womb. I promise you that. I promise you those people, they don't care. 60 million babies have been killed in the United States since Roe v. Wade. Oh, that's fine. That's wonderful. They're going to march in defense of that. The nice way to read the, the content warning on graphic phishing scenes is that we're, getting, we're becoming gentler, a kindler gentler nation, as a moderate, centrist, squishy Republican type once said. That's one that's a little too charitable. We're not becoming gentler. We're becoming a lot crueler, and we're becoming a lot crueler in virtually all areas of our public policy. And we're doing it with a little smile on our face. And we're doing it with the the saccharine slogans of some DEI counselor who's not only perfectly willing to kill innocent human life, but who is perfectly willing to kill a civilization. Gotta reorder those priorities, folks, or the numbers in all areas are going to continue to drop. No member block this week because I'm in Hungary and I'm going to be speaking in Hungary and Hungary keeps showing up in the news in this major civilizational battle. And I'm very excited that I will get to contribute to that in some small way on Friday when I speak at the MCC Fest, Matthias Corvinus Collegium, a speech not to be missed, I hope, little letter to the world. I consider all my speeches letters to the world, but this one's more so because I'm all around the world for this one. So uh, make sure you tune in then, make sure you get the book, Miert a svatsatsunk, a at fogo kimeritos zamai ut mutato. I'm Michael Knowles, see you tomorrow.